go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John 15. Just go ahead and open up your Bibles to John 15. You're gonna, we're going to look at some things today that uh, uh, they're, some of them are really good. Some of them are really hard, hard to think about. Some of them have seen them in the wrong way. It just so happens that one of the things as we were going through the Gospel of Matthew last Sunday morning... And we taught that passage Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to see some of that tonight as well as we look at the idea of producing fruit. So, good stuff. Let's do this. Let's start with prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you, Lord, for our class. Thank you for each one that's here. What fun we have as we come together to study the Bible and to just have a great time. Lord, we think about our lives as Christians, and as we've gone through our study over the semester, we've seen so many different things uh, about how to live and what to do. And we've seen Romans chapter 6 and Romans 7 and Romans 8, and then we talked last week week about uh, sin. And, and now, Lord, as we look tonight, we think about producing fruit, being fruitful. And what does it mean? What does it mean to produce fruit? And how do we do that? And what's going on? And you, we just ask you, Lord, that you teach us and show us tonight. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, turning your Bibles to John 15. That's where we're going to start. We've been seeing great truths from the Bible. Over the last lessons, we've seen a lot of different things. We've seen the conflict. We've seen the battle between the flesh and the spirit. We've seen the idea of and back in lesson nine, we saw the issue of sin and failure and dealing with sin in our lives. We know that sin breaks fellowship with God and we have to deal with that. As I said earlier, these next two lessons are going to deal with fruit, being fruitful. And people say, are you a fruitful believer? What does that mean? What are we talking about? What do we say when you say producing fruit in our lives and those kind of things? And we'll see that over the next two lessons. So what is fruit? How can we be fruitful? What are we supposed to do? And so I pray that as we go through this, uh, we'll see it. Let's, let's think about Paul for a second. Uh, he's my favorite. I mean, besides Jesus, of course. Uh, Paul, when you when you think about it, and of course, then you start saying, well, yeah, Paul was my great, but, you know, Joseph was pretty good, too. And then you think, well, Joshua was pretty good as well. And, you know, you start, and David, I love David, the man after God's own heart. And so you start go, saying that. But I always loved Paul uh, when I first started in the Bible. And think about it. He went on three missionary journeys, wrote 13 letters of the New Testament, touched hundreds and thousands of lives. And we would say that Paul had a fruitful life. In Philippians chapter 1, let me just read this to you. You stay right there, and I want to read something to you. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul's talking about his life. And he, he says, for me to live in, in this life, he said, I don't know whether, he's in prison, he said, I don't know whether I'm going to live or die. And he said, if I get out, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You all know this. So he's basically saying, if I live, I, I get to live for Christ, and if I die, I get to be with him, so it's better. And then he says, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. He looked at his life and said that he would, we'd say he had a fruitful life. And he would say that what he wanted to do was produce fruit, and that that was a life that did that. Well, it's an encouragement for us because we could say, well, if Paul, Paul did that, could we do the same thing? Can we produce fruit? What What is fruit? And how can we tell if we're producing fruit? And then this, this statement that some people make that uh, if if you don't see any fruit in somebody's life, what are they going to say about that? That, well, first of all, we need to define what fruit is if we're going to talk about seeing fruit in somebody's life. And second is, where in the Bible does it say, look to see if you can find fruit in somebody's life and decide whether they're a Christian? We didn't say that anywhere. And, and so we'll talk a little bit more about that. But if you look at your handout, uh, at Lesson 10, there's an outline of what we're going to do in these next two lessons, Fruit Part 1, and then next week will be Fruit Part 2. We're going to look at our goal as believers. We're going to talk about what is fruit. Then we're going to look at various aspects of the production of fruit. We'll see that all tonight. And then how to produce fruit and the divine abilities to produce fruit, which is spiritual gifts. 
and we'll see that. And then why did we produce fruit? And then sort of a summary to put all that together. So we're going to see that. And, and what we'll do really tonight is the first three parts. Our goal as believers, what is fruit, and some various aspects of producing fruit. And then the next week, we're going to look at all the other things. And so all of us would say that we want to live lives that are fruitful. We, we, and, and so then we could say, yeah, that's what I want. And then you could say, okay, well, then what does that mean? And you go, well, I don't know exactly what it means. I guess producing fruit, what does that mean? I don't, I, I don't, what does it look like? What, what, do we, what, what do we do? So let's begin just first of all with our number one right there is our goal, okay? Our goal. Our goal as believers. What do we want when we stand before our Savior? Think about it. Matthew 25, listen to this. He said, the one who received five talents came up and brought five more talents. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. I've gained five more. And his master said to him, what? Well, good, well done what? Good and faithful servant. We want to hear Jesus say, well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. Now, the key is faithfulness. The key is faithfulness. We're going to see it a little bit later on. We'll see it also in the Gospel of Matthew, but we're going to see it in our lessons to come that the bottom line is not how long you serve God. It's not based on what spiritual gifts you have and the talents you have and, and all that. It's all based on what? Faithfulness. It is. Okay, let, let's pretend that... You lived for 30 years, and somebody else lived for 80 years. And for 30 years, you served God. Somebody for 80 years served God. They're going to have more rewards than you. They got a lot longer to serve. Is God going to say, well, you know, you only got 30 years. I know it's not to me, but I, I gave you only 30. And so it's, it, it, stand, it goes back to what? Are you faithful with the 30 years? Are you faithful with the 80 years? Are you faithful with the 50 years? Are you faithful with what God has given us to do? So the bottom line is we want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so you're in John, where did I tell you to turn? John 15. I want you to look at John 15 and look at verse 8 because the question is, how do we glorify God? Because in that part of it, we want to glorify God. We want our lives to count for Him. We want to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant. So how in the world can we glorify God? John chapter 15, verse 8, he says, my Father is glorified by this. By what? What is what? That you do what? Bear much fruit. See, so the bottom line, if we're, we're talking about how do we bring glory to God, is we bear fruit, right? So we produce fruit. So it, it, it's pretty important that we know what that is, right? And, and how it fits and what is fruit and, and uh, how, how does all this work? And so the bottom line is, how do we glorify God? By living at the very bottom, by living fruitful lives. That's what we want to do, all right? And so as we go to the top of the next page, is we're going to then look at uh, how all this ties together. But let, let, let's realize that who does your body belong to? God. God. What, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you? You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a what? Right. Who do you belong to? To, to God. Yeah, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in our body. So what is fruit? Is fruit living a godly life? Is fruit living according to Scripture? Is it leading other people to Christ? What is fruit? So number big number two is what is fruit? What is it? And, and I'm going to give you three things, and then we're going to talk a little bit about those three things, the, next, the same, and then we're going to get more details on those three things. So we want to see what fruit is, because I think it's very important. So number one, if you want to see one, two, three, first, first of all, fruit, uh, what is fruit is reproducing self. We'll talk about it here in more details in a minute. Reproducing self. And if you want to put a little dash out beside that, put out beside that making disciples. 
making disciples. Then number two is uh, living like Christ. That's number two. Living like Christ. And then number three is doing good deeds. Doing good things. You could put doing good, doing good things. That's number one, two, and three. And then we're going to hit number one, two, and three again. And then we're going to hit it in even more detail. I just want you to see how important this is. So what are the three things? Reproducing yourself, living like Christ, and doing good things. So let's start. It says uh, reproducing self, which is making what? What is big number one? Making what? Making disciples. And, and let, me, let me read what Paul said in Romans. Because you've got to remember, a lot of times he's writing to the what at Rome? The church. He's writing to believers. Listen to what he says. I don't want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I plan to come to you, to the Romans, and have been prevented so far, so that I, I want to come so that I might obtain fruit among you also. Now he's writing to who? Believers. He's not saying I'm going to want to go there and lead you to Christ. They're already Christians. So producing fruit is more than just saying, I led somebody to Christ. Producing fruit is what? Making <laughs> disciples. The thing, when, you went, when we started our church, what did we say is the purpose of our church? Make disciples. That's being fruitful. That we want to lead people to Christ and then what? Train them and equipping. That's reproducing ourselves. So if you said, what is, what is being fruitful if you are making disciples? leading people to Christ, if you're helping train and equip them, if you're helping reproduce themselves, yourselves, then that's being fruitful, okay? And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. That's number one. Number two is Christ-likeness. What, anybody know what Galatians 5, 22 and 23 is saying? That's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. So Christ-likeness, the uh, second aspect is the character, that we're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. So as you have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and good, if you, if you're producing what? Fruit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. So could you be fruitful if you're living out that kind of life? Because whose character is that? That's Christ's character, okay? So then number three is doing good. And Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 basically says, bearing fruit in every good work. So when you do good things, when you do good in the name of Jesus Christ, when you do good deeds, so to speak, you're actually producing what? Fruit. So before we get to more details of one, two, and three again, okay, tell me what are the, what are the three things in which you could that 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 you'd be fruitful. What what would you be doing if? To, what are the three things you can do to produce fruit? What would it be? Okay, make so as you're leading people to Christ, train them, equip them. You're being fruitful. What else? It, it, as you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, and there the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. That's coming out. And what's the third thing? Doing good things. So when you do good things, you just produced fruit, right? Now, we're going to tie this in because we're just talking about producing fruit, but the last two lessons deal with what? These two do with fruitfulness. What are the last two deals with? Rewards. They go together, by the way. And that's why it's so important. A lot of people have got this conception, and it comes from Reformed theology, and it also comes from Arminian theology. Reformed theology says the reward is heaven. You live good, you get to heaven. Uh, you know, Armenian theology says, uh, keep living good enough so you don't lose your salvation, you get to heaven. So the reward's heaven. The reward's not heaven. Heaven's a gift. Salvation is a gift. 
the rewards are service and ministry it's dealing with fruitfulness and rewards. And so that's where people have a misconception. A lot of people, they don't think this life matters at all. The idea is you punch the ticket and you're in. And so if you're in, that's all that matters because everybody's going to get to heaven. Everybody's going to hold hands and, and rock back and forth and everybody will be fun. But that's not exactly the way it's going to be, is it? They're gonna, we're going to see... We're going to see this coming Sunday morning that there's a banquet and some of the sons of the kingdom aren't at the banquet. And so not everybody gets to go to the banquet. Not everybody gets to rule and reign. And so that's why I think fruitfulness and rewards are so important and that's why we want to talk about it. So this is, is you, can, you can reproduce yourself, you can be like Christ, you can do good deeds. So let's, uh, did you have a question? I thought you did. Yeah, J Arminius. Well, Armini Well, they call it Arminian theology, but it's Jacob Arminius, okay. Calvinist Arminian, Arminian. That, that's a that was a guy. Okay, he was a guy that believed that we had free will in the sense that you could believe and be saved, but you could also quit believing and quit, and then you'd lose your salvation. On the other side was Calvin, Calvinist, who believed that uh, once you were saved, you were saved forever. The only problem is you could never really know if you were saved because you had to persevere to the end. You could believe, but you didn't know if you believed. And so the Calvinist has no assurance of salvation because they don't know whether they actually believed or not. The Arminian believes, believes but he doesn't know if he's going to make it to the end because he could lose it. Okay, yeah. Jacob Arminius was the guy's name, and so they call him Calvinist and Arminian. Uh, we're neither one of them. And, and here's the bottom line. People actually ask me, J.B., are you a Calvinist? I said, why would, why would I base what I believe off what some man wrote? Well, I'm a, I'm a Biblicist, which means I'm not a Calvinist or Arminius. I am a biblicist, which means we base what we believe not off the writings of people throughout history, but what the Bible says. If you remember, I'm uh, right? Yeah, that's our. It's a different. It's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, you don't think you can lose your salvation, do you? No. <laughs> no, you're right. That's that's a different thing. Different thing. Okay, so you ready? Let's get a little bit details. Let's make big number one here is reproducing self, making disciples, okay? That's the number one at the bottom of the page where, and this, this is, of course, Paul says, I might have fruit among the Gentiles. The goal of discipleship is to reproduce yourself. And discipleship involves what? Both what? Evangelism and training. It is. It involves both of those things. And it's so important that we do those. And so when you think about it, as you... As you go through life, the purpose of our church is to make disciples. What verse would you use? Which one? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came out and spoke, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. And so bottom line is, that's our purpose. And if we are making disciples, you will be fruitful. Okay? Okay? The second one, if you go to the top of the next page, the second one deals with the character, uh, and, and this is fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, and I've got them listed there for you. There are nine, and th this is what comes out of your life when you're controlled by the Holy Spirit. As you know, let me just uh, erase this for a second. We all, know, we all know what we're like, and we know we all have a body, Y'all help me. What's next? Soul, conscience, flesh. What's over here? 
we, we just say human spirit because that's the part that's been born, born again. And this is the Holy Spirit. This is us. And you can either live, as we've been seeing in Romans 6, 7, 8, you can either live in the power of the flesh, which results in sin and death, or you can live in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is life and righteousness. And so there's that battle going on. Now, we're talking about the fruit of the what? The Spirit. And it's found in Galatians chapter 5. If you want to, just, just flip to Galatians uh, chapter 5. You've got Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then you've got Galatians. Uh, let me just, as you turn into Galatians, you know, when you think about the Bible, it, it's so important to, to grasp what it's really all about. Because I, when, uh, when I first, the very first book I ever taught as a pastor, verse by verse, it was the book of Galatians. Because I went to a church that had 11 people, and, and those people did not know the gospel. They did not understand what the salvation meant. They were, they were believers. They'd been Christians for a long time, but, they, but if you asked them what exactly is the gospel, they didn't know, and they gave the answers that you've always heard, repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. They didn't know. And so I took them through the book of Galatians, where Paul says the beginning, you know, I'm amazed you've already moved away from the truth of the gospel to another gospel, which is not really another gospel. And, and Paul just basically says the, the gospel is faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. And so that's why it's so important that when you get to Galatians, Galatians, he's actually then in these last chapters, chapters 5 and 6, he's saying, what do you look like? How do you live this stuff out? And that's where he says, you know, we already saw that the deeds of the flesh are all those horrible things that we read, which they're not so horrible in a sense because we see them all the time. But anyway, they're there. And then the fruit of the Spirit is, and if you notice, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, uh, gentleness, self-control against us, there's no law. So let's talk about them for just a second. I actually think that when you, when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the overarching one is love. Because if you love, you, you will have joy, peace, patience, kind of, you will. It, we, that's what comes out in our lives. So the first one is love. And, and, and First John, if you want to just write out beside that, First John 4, 9 through 11, here in his love, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. If God so loved us, we ought to what? Love one another. The whole aspect is loving. Is loving. And so what's going to come out of our lives when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit? Love. Listen, if you don't feel love... You, you probably say, you know, I must have some sin somewhere. I must be dead, right? Right? That, it's, a de it's a death, isn't it? it? The soul that sins shall die. As a believer, when you sin, you do what? You die. It's called what death? Temporal. Temporal death. And so if you're not loving, if you don't feel loving, you may say, whoa, I'm not feeling very loving. I may be dead. I may be out of fellowship. I may need to deal with my sin and get back into fellowship. So love, I think, is the key on the whole thing. The second one down is joy. If you want to put James 1, 2, and 3, my brother, and count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Joy is based on our fellowship with God. Uh, let me show you this. We've seen this a lot of times. This is, this is um, the body of Christ. And this, this is salvation. When you put your faith in Christ, your salvation. This is, and you're saved and saved forever. This is the fellowship, which is on the inside, basically. And you can never get out of the salvation aspect, but you can get out of fellowship. And when you get out of fellowship, you lose your what? Your joy. You lose it. I mean, first, you lose all of this stuff, but the joy, uh, where David writes in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because, see, it's, it's his salvation. He 
gives us life. And, and so it's not based, uh, this, is, this, this aspect of it is, is based on our fellowship with Him. And if you're in fellowship with, the, with God and, and the Holy Spirit, there'll be joy in our lives. So if you don't have joy, now, sometimes things happen that are bad, and that doesn't mean you, you go out and you go, oh, I got a flat tire. This is so wonderful. No, it doesn't. It, doesn't. it, it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It, it, it's not count it all joy for the trials, but count it all joy in these trials. You know, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing everything, give thanks. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it's there. The, the third one is what? Peace. There's two kinds of peace, by the way. There's peace with God. That happens the moment you believe in Christ, Romans 5, 1. But then there's the peace of God. And this is the peace of God. This is what comes out in our lives. It's the aspect of a calmness. And it's when in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the... Peace of God, which passes all understanding, regards your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. When you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, what comes out? Peace. Have you ever seen somebody going through a trial, and it's a bad trial, and yet you, you see that there's a peace there? It's because that's God, the Holy Spirit, through them. It's amazing. The next one is what? Patience. It actually means long-suffering. It means that you, uh, you, you, you hang. It's, it's actually the word that means to remain under a load. It's like somebody says, well, you mind holding this for a little bit? Yeah, I'll hold it. When, when are you coming back? You know, I, I'm holding it, but it's getting heavier by the minute. That, this word means to remain under the load. It's the idea of, of being patient. It's the idea of, of hanging in there. It's, the, it's even the idea of not trying to get somebody back. It's this idea of just, it's almost the idea of just trusting and just keeping on, keeping on. That's what comes out. That's what's in our lives. The next one is what? Kindness. And this word means being considered of other people. That's what it means. It has an idea of doing good things. The, the word kindness is just, is, is, it's almost like looking out for others. You're kind to them. And, and when I say this person's a kind person, in your mind, you know what, you know what we're thinking about. And then the next one is what? Goodness. And this has the idea of doing right. Doing what is right for others especially. Doing what is right. You know, sometimes in the power of the Holy Spirit, what you do is not necessarily what's best for you. It may be what's best for somebody else. And that's the idea of goodness. And then faithfulness. We all know what that is. It's it, dependable. Uh, well done, good, and faithful servant. You know, faithfulness is... Um, the, the, there's an old saying that about three-quarters of all ministry is just showing up. It really is. It's just being there. There's a thing called the ministry of presence. And you've all experienced it. You've, you've either done it or had it done to you. Something happens. Something's wrong. And suddenly your friends just show up. And they don't have to say anything. They just sit down with you or they're just with you. Or somebody's had something bad happen and you go to their house. And there's no words. You just sit down. And that's that's that. When remember Job? Now his friends were not that good later on. But when they first got there, remember what Job's friend did? What did his three friends do when they first got there? Do you know? Huh? They sat there for seven days without saying a word, and then they started accusing him of having sin. 
<laughs> so they, they did real good at the start. If they'd have just kept their mouth shut, they would have probably been okay, right? And this is that idea here is that you're, you're, you're just faithful. You're there. You're, you're, uh, you're just showing up. You're just a good and faithful servant. When we think of the Bible uh, and faithfulness, it's taking the, the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the time, the possessions, the personnel, everything that God has given to you, and you're using it. You're using it for his glory. You're just being faithful. And then there's gentleness. And gentleness almost has the concept of humility. It really means to look out for somebody else. It's very similar over to Philippians where Paul says, don't, don't look out so much for the things of yourself, but look out for the things of others. Consider others as more important than yourself. Now, how many people are telling our people growing up that they need to consider other people more important than themselves? What did our world tell everybody? You better look out for yourself. You better do your own thing. You know, that's what's wrong with our culture and our world. And then what's the last one? Self-control. It has the idea of discipline and doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. Isn't that, don't you think that's kind of hard? When, when the alarm goes off, do you want to get up? But do you get up most of the time? I know people that continually do what? Okay, I've got ten more minutes. Ten more minutes. You know, I don't do that. I mean, when it goes off, I'm up 4.20 every day. I get up. I don't take the chance of, uh, of saying, I think I might just, one, you know, one more little, you know, no. I don't even have an ant thing. I just get up and press the button and go. You just got to. Or if you're going to work out or if you're not going to eat something or if you're going to study the Bible or if you're going to do something. I mean, how many of you say, okay, I'm going to have my quiet time at this time and then everything comes up? No. Are you going to be disciplined to do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it? And if you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, there's this idea of that there's a self-control aspect. I remember um, Warren Wiersbe was one of my, I think he's passed away now. He's one of my favorite pastors. He, he just was a great Bible teacher, and he was on, uh, was it Back to the Bible? Back to the Bible radio. And, and he was brilliant, I, th I think, just a great Bible teacher. And he said... Uh, that he went to a conference to speak, and a guy spoke in front of him, and then he was supposed to speak. And the guy got up to talk, and he was supposed to speak for like 30 minutes, and we were supposed to speak for 30 minutes, and the guy spoke for about 50 minutes. And then he said, oh, I'm so sorry, I, you know, I, you know, and just walked in. So we spoke for about 10 or 15 minutes. Then the next time the guy went, and it was the same conference, but they were back-to-back -back again, and the guy was supposed to speak for 30 minutes. He spoke for about 45 and then he, he, as Wiersbe was coming up, he was apologizing. And it's like, oh, I couldn't help it. And Wiersbe said, he said, uh, uh, you know, the, the spirit of the prophets is controlled by the prophets. What that means is you're in control. You can stop anytime you want to. It, when the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's not telling you just to keep talking. You know, and he was saying that discipline would be stop when you're supposed to stop. So when you all start going like this at 12, you know, uh, it depends on when I get up there because I go about. Didn't you know how long I talk? It's between 30, 30, 29 to 31 minutes. It, it just, by the grace, I mean, I don't know. I don't plan it that way. I mean, I just tease the past, look at it, put it together, and it almost always comes out to be either 29, 30, 31 minutes. Every now and then it's like 33 minutes. I mean, it is. It's just the way it is. I, it's the grace of God. And, and by the way, I want to tell you the things that changed. Do you realize that when I first became a pastor in 1985, came here in 85, that the service was an hour, and I spoke for 45 minutes 
every Sunday. Every, and, and that was fairly normal. But as the culture has changed, since everything is so fast now, since there's always, people can't, people, except for a class like this, where we'll go for an hour straight, and you'll listen and everything, it's not quite the same as a Sunday morning, but y'all can sit here and go for an hour straight. But on a Sunday morning, you couldn't go for an hour straight. Uh, because you're all going, we should be out of here by now. We, I mean, we should. I mean, that, and, and so now I speak about 30 minutes where I used to speak about 45. And music is a lot more now. You have a, almost 30 minutes of music and 30 minutes of teaching where it used to be about 15 minutes of music and about 40-something minutes of teaching. That's just the way it used to be. Uh, so w when, I, when I used to teach, I would cover more, more, more information every time. Now it's less information. And it takes a little longer to go through a book uh, than it used to. But self-control is you do what you're supposed to do, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, you, you can study when you're supposed to study. You, you can. Uh, so that's the fruit of the Spirit. And if you want to be fruitful, then what needs to be coming out of our lives? Fruit of the Spirit. And how do we do that? We live in the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Okay. Now here's the third thing. The third thing is what? Good what? Good deeds, good works. And Colossians 1.10, he says, li listen to this. You don't have to turn there, but in Colossians 1.10, he says, So that you would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. And so we are to bear fruit in every good work. And most of you know Ephesians 2.8 and 9, right? What is 2.8 and 9? For by grace, what? You have been saved through faith, and what? That not of yourselves. It's the what? Gift of God, not of works less. Anyone should boast. And then what's 2.10? And we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. Exactly. So Ephesians 2.10, we are created to do what? Good works. If you're doing good works, you're producing what? Fruit. I mean, think about that. That's amazing. I want you to go to the top of the next page. And I want you to see something that's amazing. And I, I want you to turn to the book of Titus. Because there's some things here you're, just, you're, you're going to be amazed at. Titus, just flip over to, to Titus chapter 2. And, and uh, I want you to see this because it's beautiful. Titus 2, 7. What does it say? In all things, show yourself to be an example of what? Good deeds. Good deeds. Look at Titus 2, 14. He says, it talks about the grace of God. He says, God who gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for his people, uh, for, for himself a people of his own possession, zealous for what? Good deeds. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 8. This is a trustworthy statement, and concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that you who believe God will be careful to engage in what? Good deeds. And these things are good and what? Profitable. And then look at Titus um, 3.14, what does he say? Yeah, and by the way, it's supposed to be 3.14 in your book. I've got it circled uh, on your handout. Does it say Titus 3.4? It's supposed to be 3.14. Look at 3.14. Our people must also learn to do what? Engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so they will not be what? Unfruitful. If you're, if you're doing the right things, what are, you, what are you producing? Fruit. So you won't be fruitful? You do. So what three things do we do? We make disciples, we live in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is fruit of the Spirit, and we do what? Good deeds. And as Titus says, we're supposed to do good deeds. Now, some people get confused because they think good deeds have something to do with salvation. They don't. Good deeds have nothing to do with salvation. 
It's not by works of righteousness we've done, but it's mercy to save us. It's by grace you're saved through faith, and not know yourselves to get to God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one a man's not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So the Bible's full of the truths that it's not works at all that has anything to do with salvation, but works are what we, we are created to do good works. That's good. Huh? It's supposed to. Exactly right. When you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, what are you supposed to be doing? The good, if you're doing love, joy, peace, patience, kind of, what, what's also going to be coming out when you're doing all that? Good deeds. I mean, you know, if you love somebody and you, you say, I just, I, I bought you this, this, I brought you this meal. Is that a good deed? Why did you do that? Because you love them. I mean, so it all ties together. You don't have to think about doing it. It just happens. Yeah, exactly. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit and seeking to make disciples, you're almost going to almost always just be doing good things, okay? Supposedly. Now, if you're over here, are you doing good deeds? What do you look like? Unbeliever. Okay, so that takes us to this next part, and that is, I'm calling this, various aspects of production of fruit, okay? And when I say this, I, I want us to look at two things to think about tonight before, and then next week we'll get in a lot more details of, of some other aspects. But there are two things I want you to think about. Number one, are there different levels of bearing fruit? Are there different levels of bearing fruit? And you probably already know the answer to that. Okay? And then number two, and this is a, a question that a lot of people raise. Uh... Will all believers bear fruit? Will all believers bear fruit? This is number two. And out beside number two where it says, Will all believers bear fruit? Put a little dash and put, Will we see it? <laughs> Will we see it? Because you got, as we talked, was it last week or the week before that, we talked about fruit, fruit inspectors? That everybody wants to look at everybody else's lives and to see whether they think they're saved or not or whether they're living right or not or they're doing the stuff they should be doing or not. You know, who knows? So let's talk for a second. That big number one is are there different levels of fruit? Okay? Let's turn, if you're not there, go ahead and go back to John chapter 15. I want to I show you something. If you've never seen this before, this will help you. Okay? And this is John's writing. And, of course, John is amazing. John writes the only book in the New Testament was written solely for evangelism. What book is that? That's the Gospel of John. That's written solely for evangelism. He tells us at the very end, he says, There are many other signs Jesus did, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing you would have life in his name. So he wrote the whole book so you see who Christ is and believe in him. Now, in the Gospel of John... He uses the term believe 98 times. And it's the believing and having what? Eternal life. In John 15, where we're going to look, he uses the word abide. And abide is not talking about eternal life salvation. It's talking about fellowship. Okay? So whenever John writes... And he uses the word believe, he's talking about eternal life salvation. Whenever he uses the word abide, he's talking about fellowship. Now, there is a book called 1 John. We've got some people in our church right now who've been studying 1 John the whole semester, and it's really a kind of a hard book. But in 1 John, 
John uses the word abide. And I mean, I'm, I can't remember, but anybody, y'all remember how many times he used the word abide? Do you remember how many? Because it's like 25 times in this. First John is very short. So it's about 25 times he used abide. What do you think he's talking about when he uses abide? Fellowship. There's only one place in 1 John that he uses believe. 1 John 5.13 These things are written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have what? Eternal life. So whenever you see John and he uses believe, he's talking about salvation. And whenever he uses abide, he's talking about fellowship. And that really, really helps you. John 15 Look at the verses, 15.1. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he bears away, and every branch that bears fruit, he does. Then he goes on to say, look at me, and look at verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it does what? Abides in the vine. He says, I'm the vine. Verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who what? Abides in me. And so, what's this, cha- what's this chapter talking about? Fellowship. He's not talking about salvation. Okay, so we're, the first point we want to raise is, are there different levels of fruit? Okay, that's big number one, right? And so in John 15, I want you to look at this. And you tell me, let's read it. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. He's the, who's the vine? Jesus. Jesus is. And who's the vine dresser? God the Father. And then he says, every branch in me that's connected with who? How do you get in Christ? By faith. So the branches, the branches in Christ are what? They're believers, right? Okay, so there they are. So what does he say? Every branch in me that does not what? Is is it possible for a branch not to bear fruit? Does it just say that? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit? Okay, so number one, there's no what? Over there it says verse two that says there's no what? No what? fruit, okay? Then notice, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears what? What? What's next? Fruit, okay? So then the next one is what? What's the word I got out for you? Fruit, okay? Then look at this. He prunes so that it may bear more fruit, okay? Then right out beside there, more fruit, okay? So, so far you got no fruit and fruit, and then what? More fruit. Now look down at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. So you got, let me, I'm going to race, let's race all this stuff right here. I think you're going to see something. If you've never seen this before, you may go, oh my goodness, this is pretty neat. All right, you got no fruit, is that right? Yeah. Then you got what? Fruit. And then you got more fruit. And then you got what? Much fruit. Which would you like to be? Okay, we do. Okay, well, let's talk about it. So he says that aren't there, are there are there levels? Then does does it appear that there's some no fruit and then some fruit and then there's some more fruits and then there's some much fruit? Right? There are. Okay. Now I want to show you something that maybe you've not seen before. Turn to the Gospel of Mark, and he's going to tell a parable. And this is a parable of the sower and the seed. And actually, it's not really a parable of the seed. It's a parable of the soils. Okay? So watch. 
Okay, it's a parable. Look at chapter 4. Go to the very beginning. He says, he began to teach again by the sea, and there's this large crowd to him. And he got into the boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was about to... Listen, when he taught, he, he didn't stand up. He sat down. What did they do? They stood up. So if y'all would go ahead and stand up, I'll just sit down. But anyway, that's what he did. So he's in the boat, and he was teaching them many parables, and he was saying to them, and now he's got this parable. And listen to it. It's, people say it's the parable of the sower and the seed. It's actually the parable of the soil. So watch. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. Okay? Some went out to do what? To do what? On your bottom of your deal, verses 3 through 9. Some went out to do what? To sow. Okay, and look what it says. The, uh, the sower went out to sow, and as he was sowing, some seed fell by the road, and the birds ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it and yielded no crop. And But other seeds fell in the good soil, and as they grew up and they increased, they yielded a crop. Some produced 30, 60, and 100. And then he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what does he mean when he says that? I mean, Jesus says this all the time. How many people don't have ears, right? Now, what does he mean? He's saying... Whoever's listening, listen carefully. Because, see, a lot of people never understood the parable because they weren't listening, and they didn't really care. And that's why he spoke in parables. He said, I speak in parables because the ones who want to get it, they will get it. And the ones who don't want to get it, they miss it because they don't listen. And that's why he'll say, who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you have ears to hear, that means you're listening and you're seeing what he's trying to say. So a sower went out to sow. And you got four things. Look at the top of the, page, the next page. Number one is never got the seed, right? The soil never got the seed because what happened to it? Does it say what happened to it? It, it, uh, some, it fell beside the road and the bird came and got it. <laughs> no, didn't get it. Okay, but number two, it, it, it got to the ground, but, it, but it, uh, it, it, it withered out, didn't it? And then what it says, he was sowing the seed, it, uh, it fell on the rocky ground, didn't have much soil, immediately it sprang up, had no depth, and after the sun risen, it was scorched, and it kind of withered away. That one di didn't grow at all, right? Okay, and then the third one was what? It, it, it fell among thorns, and the thorns came out and choked it out. So the third one, it got the seed and everything, but it got choked out. And then what's the fourth one? And the other seed fell in the good soil, and they grew up, and they increased to yield a crop, and they produced what? What did they produce? Verse 8. Okay. This is, this is not... Okay. Did I lose everybody? I must have lost everybody. Number one, what happened? Never got the seed. Number two... Withered. Number three, got choked. The fourth one is what? The other seeds fell in the good soil, and they grew up, and they increased, and they yielded a crop of what? Thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. Okay, so the fourth one got seed and produced thirty, sixty, a hundred. Okay, you got it? That's the four. So what does all this mean? What does this mean? If you were there with Jesus, what would you say to him? What does this mean? <laughs> Wouldn't you say what you say? Uh, what does this mean? Because let's think about it. Uh, some never got it. And some got it, but they withered. And then some got it, but the thorns came. And then some got it, and they produced 30, 60, and what? A hundred. So some were, were really what? What would you call them? Fruitful. Did these produce any fruit? Yeah. No. Did these produce any fruit? No. no. Did these produce any fruit? No. no. Never even got it. Okay. So let's see what he says about it because he's going to explain it. So look at verse 10. 
after he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So they came over and said, um, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? That's what they asked. Verse 10, as soon as he was along with them, his, his followers along with the twelve began asking him about the parable. And he said to them, to you has been given the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside to get everything in parables. Why? Because while seeing, they, they, they may not see and perceive and may hear. I mean, he said, otherwise they, they would get it, but they're not listening. And then he said to them, do you not understand, verse 13, do you understand the parable? And they went, well, not really. And so he says, let's look at it. The sower sows the word. So what's the seed? The word of God. Okay, now watch. Okay, so Jesus explains, verse 14, the seed is the word of God. Okay, verse 15. These are the ones who, who were beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear it, Immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. They never what? Never got it. Are these believers or unbelievers? Unbelievers. They never got it. Right? Never got it. Okay? So they never got the message. They never, they never got it. Okay? It, and, and you can start saying, okay, it's by the road, it's hard, they're not listening. It would be like a believer who maybe hears the message but doesn't listen to the message. Right? I mean, some of you maybe grew up in church and you trusted Christ when you were like 12 or 13, but you heard the gospel message when you were 9, 10, or 11. Let's just pretend you heard it every Sunday, maybe, but you never, it never, you never got it because you weren't really listening. And then one day you were listening and you got it. Okay? These people never listened and they never got it. Okay? Well, then look at the next one. What do we know about the next one already? What happened to it? It, it withered. So look what he goes on to say. In a similar way, there are those who were sown, the seed was sown on rocky places, who when they heard the word, immediately they did what? What do you think that means? Received it with joy. They believed. Yeah. They believed. But what happens to them? Look what it says. But they had no firm root in themselves. It's only temporary. And when the afflictions and persecutions arise because of the word, they fall away. They lost their salvation? Of course not. Of course not. What does it mean that... They had no firm root. Listen, there are a lot of Christians who aren't rooted and grounded in the truth of the Word of God. That Colossians says that we've got to be rooted and grounded. And Ephesians says rooted and grounded. And what happens? Many believers never get rooted and grounded. So what happens to them? Why don't they produce a lot of fruit? Because and what happens to them? When the afflictions and persecution and things arise, they fall away. There are a lot of Christians who fall away. Now, there are people who say, well, if you fall away, you're not what? You're not saved. Did they, they received it with joy. If you receive the word, if you trust in Christ, are you saved and saved forever? Yeah, okay. So, so we got one right here. They got, they're kind of withered out, aren't they? Okay, what's about the next one? What happened to them? They, they, they got in the midst of the what? Thorns. So watch what he says. And the other is ones that see was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the evil, the riches and the desires of the others enter in, and they choke out the word, and it becomes what? Unfruitful. They got it, but and notice I, I love this because he says the the worries of the world. You go ah, and the deceitfulness of riches. It goes both sides. You can be rich. And that causes you to miss out too. And you can have a bunch of trouble, and that'll cause you to miss out. So what happens to them? No, there's not no no fruit. Right? Right? Are there believers who produce no fruit? What about this right here? Do these two produce no fruit? 
These can't, they never got it, right? These two produce no fruit. Now, I want you to see something. Look at the next one. And those to whom the seed was sown on the good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and they do what? Bear fruit. And what kind of fruit? 30, 60, 100. Have you ever thought about 30, 60, and 100 fruit and more fruit and what? Much fruit. Have you ever thought of that? Could be. Corresponds to fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Okay, so you're saying they were believers, but then they get confused later on and something else chokes it out. This, all he's saying in here is the trials of the world and the deceitful to riches, they just never, they never grow. It just chokes it all out. And we know people who are Christians who have never grown because everything else takes precedent. Now, to me, it could be up here that a person never gets the right message or they hear the wrong thing and they never get it. Okay, so... Are there different levels of fruit? There's no fruit. And can a believer produce no fruit? Now, when I say no fruit, uh, he says there's no fruit, but what if you trust Christ, and the moment you trust Christ, you have peace with God? Did you just produce fruit, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I I just, to to say that nobody, that a person can go his whole life and never have any fruit whatsoever, I I don't know, but whether we ever see it or not, but this parable is saying there are believers that get, that believe, but they don't produce anything. It just, it's, it's sort of like the no fruit over here. And then there's some that really, they go fruit and more fruit and much fruit and 30 and 60 and 100, and he would call these the good soil, okay? So I just want you to see that when you stand before your Savior, is he going to say, no fruit, fruit, more fruit, much fruit. Is he going to say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant"? Because this is going to tie into rewards, isn't it? I mean, that's why we're doing these lessons back to back: the two on fruitfulness and the two on rewards, because they they go together. The issue in this passage, after this one right here, is not salvation. There are a lot of people that say these these are not believers; these are only the believers. What does it say? They receive the word with what? Joy. These are believers. These are believers. And over here he says, there, anyone who does not produce fruit. So there could, could be no fruit. Okay, now let's go to number two just because of time. Um, will a believer bear fruit? That's big number two. That's the question. And there are people who will say, you can look at their lives and you'll know them by their fruits. And who, we, were y'all there, who was there Sunday morning to hear the message, right? We taught, we taught this message. And uh, uh, verse, uh, I've got down John fifteen two. There are believers who do not what bear fruit, and 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 they may bear fruit. We never see it. Uh, we cannot follow a person around. Whenever somebody says something like, "I don't see any fruit in their lives," I said, "Can you read their minds?" You can't read their minds, so you have no idea what they think. You have no idea if they pray. You have no idea if they do good deeds. You can't follow them around 24 hours a day. You don't know what they think. You don't know what they pray. You don't know anything about them. So you can't say a person doesn't produce fruit. Can we tell if someone is a believer by their lifestyle? What's the answer? The answer is no, because they could be a good person who's not a Christian living good, or they could be a believer who's living bad. So you, you could look at it and you could say that person living bad, they must not be a believer. They would be. And you could say that person's living good, they must be good, and they're not. If you'd seen me before I trusted Christ, you would have thought I was a believer. If you saw me after I trusted Christ, you'd have thought I was an unbeliever. That's in my life at a certain time. I'm not that bad today. But uh, <laughs> 
So let's, let's look at the passage we taught Sunday morning. It just so happens that it's in this lesson. But I want you to turn to Matthew 7. This is what we saw Sunday morning, and I just want to bring this out. And I'm, I'm glad we did it Sunday morning, and I want to do it even tonight, simply because how many times have you heard, how can you tell if a person's a believer, you'll know them by their what? By their fruits. So you just look at their lifestyle. We've already determined. You can't look at lifestyle and determine whether a person is a believer or not. So what in the world is this passage talking about? If you notice in Matthew 7 verse 15, beware of what? False prophets. So the passage is dealing with false prophets. And so verse 15 says, beware of false prophets. It's dealing with them. What does a prophet give? What does a prophet give? He gives a what? A message. I'll write it right here. He gives a message. Now, in this passage, what do they look like, believers or unbelievers? Believers. Look at what it says. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in what? Sheep's clothing. For the, what, what, when somebody says they're a wolf in sheep's clothing, what do they mean by that? They're what? Yeah, because they're pretending to be something they're not. They look like a what? A sheep, but they're actually a what? A wolf. He's using this analogy because... He has sheep. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. They're my sheep. So he's saying, beware of false prophets because they look, they look like believers. How do they look like believers? By their what? By their what? Life style. Okay? But when he says you'll know them by their fruits, he's not talking about lifestyle. He's talking about what? Their message. You've got to get this because somebody's going to come to you one of these days and they're going to say, oh yeah, you know, Uncle John's not a Christian because you can tell, you just know about hey, Look how he lives. You'll know them by their fruits. And you say, well, let's go to that passage and show them as false prophets. And it's not their lifestyle because they look like what? They look like what? Sheep. Okay? And, and look down at... Uh, uh, verse 22, they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Do we not cast out demons in your name? Do we not perform many miracles in your name? Those good things are bad things. Those are good things. So what do they look like? I said Sunday morning, there are people who use the name of Jesus all the time, and they're not even Christians, and they're fooling every one of the people, and they're false. And just because you say the name of Jesus, you do certain things, has, does not mean that, that you're a believer. What you've got to look at is their what? Their message. And so look what he says. You'll know them by their fruits. And he says, grapes don't do this. Da, 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 da. Every bit good tree bears, you know, and then he goes all the way down again. So you will know them by their fruits. What is the fruits? It's their message. And so Luke, I, I quoted this one Sunday morning, but uh, we, without having to turn there just because of time. In Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45, it says, The mouth speaks from which fills the heart. It's their message. It's their message. And I, I did it Sunday morning. And you know what? I saw really a weird look on some people's face when I said, let me give you this message. Tell me if it's right or not. And I said, Jesus was a great example, and we're supposed to look to Jesus. And if we live like Jesus, we can you know, try to live the good life and all that. And I saw some people looking at me like, you can't be saying that. And I, I'm saying, well, I'm pretending. You know, I'm pretending. Let me, and so I had to do the right thing and say, now here's the right message. So if I got up and said to you, look, there's a lot of ways to God. And Jesus is a good way. And if you just try to live a good life, you can make it. You could tell by that message that there's something wrong there. That's, no matter how good I live, no matter how many times I say Jesus, that's a false message. 
But if I get up, and even if I'm a scoundrel, and I say, look, the only way to heaven is Jesus Christ, you'd say, that's right. That's a good, that's a good message. False prophets give false messages. They're all over the radio. They're all over the TV. They're all over books. All you have to do is just listen carefully. And that's why Jesus said in this passage, beware of the false prophets because they look like sheep. They look good. They'll say, Lord, Lord. They'll say, do all kind of things. And yet, I never knew them. What's the will of the Father? He says, those that you will enter will do the will of my Father. What is the will of my Father? John chapter 6, verse 40. This is the will of the Father to believe in Him for eternal life. That's the will of the Father. So if somebody says, what, what, do we, what does God want us to do? He wants us to believe in Him. He never knew the false prophets. That's what he's saying, because they're not believers. And so when somebody tells you, you can look at a lifestyle, no, you can't. What can you look at to tell? Their message. Listen to their message. That's why you can talk to somebody, and they can be so nice and everything, and you say to them, if you were to die, you think you'd go to heaven? And they say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Jesus. I talk to him all the time. I said, well, great, great. Why would you go to heaven? Because I try to live the best life I can, and I just think that, you know, I pray to God. and I talk, Okay, what's, is that message right or wrong? That's the wrong message. They're probably not even a believer. Listen, I remember I talked to a girl one time. She wanted me to do her wedding. She came in, and she's by herself. and somebody, I mean, not by herself totally, but by herself in the office with me. And, and uh, I asked her, and she said, will you do my wedding? I said, Probably, you know, because I, I can't say, I don't ever say yeah until I talk to him. And I said, let me ask you a couple of questions. And I said, if, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? She said, yeah. I said, why? And she said, because I, I talk to God every day and, you know, and, and uh, I've tried to live a good life and I've tried to do good things. And I kept asking her, I said, so does your doing good and being good, does that have anything to do with your salvation? She said, oh, yes, that's, yeah, that's why I'm going. Now, she's talking about loving God and doing good. And yet, she does, she, she's not, she's not trust, her, trust Christ for, for eternal life. Breaks your heart. I, I got to share with her and tell her the, the right answer and everything. I mean, tell her the truth. But So just because people are real nice and just because they use Jesus' name, you've got to be really careful, especially a false prophet. A false prophet is a wolf, and a false prophet knows they're wrong. Let me tell you, there are people who get up and talk, and they know they're telling you things that are not in the Bible, and they do it on purpose. They do it on purpose. They're called false prophets. So when it says prophets here, the, is it equivalent to teachers Well, what you could do, because a prophet proclaims, normally, in, when we talk about a prophet, a prophet got direct revelation from God. And so the test in the Old Testament was if you gave a prophecy and it didn't come true, they killed you. Right? So you had to be very careful if you were going to claim to be a prophet because if you didn't give the right message, uh, you could be put to death. But a prophet was supposedly one who gives a message. And sometimes they were foretelling something that, or foretelling, giving a message, uh, not necessarily a future message, but giving a message. Nowadays, there are a lot of people who want to say that preachers, pastors, are prophets of God. I do not consider myself a prophet of God. I consider myself a teacher. I already have the message from God. This is his message that he's already delivered to us. My job is to explain it, to teach it. I'm not a prophet. I think the uh, I think Ephesians 2 says that the foundation of the church were the apostles and the prophets. I don't think there are any more of those. But you you could say that even though this is talking about a false prophet, you could say, what is the message of the person that I'm hearing? Because you remember in Second uh, uh, Peter 3, he says, Be on your guard lest you be carried away by the error of unprincipled men. People who on purpose teach you things that are wrong.
They do it on purpose, y'all. You, you just got to understand, everybody that uses the name of Jesus is not a good person. In fact, there are a lot of them who use his name on purpose to get to you, to trick you, and to fool you. So it's, you, that's why we're supposed to dig it and know it and be ready. So applications, let's do some applications. First, fulfill our goal to glorify God in our lives. Fulfill our goal, which is to glorify God in our lives. We're not here for ourselves. We, we want to be fruitful. That's the plan. That's the plan. And how do we bring glory to God? He says, this is, this is how you glorify God, that you produce much fruit. You know, that's, the, that's the goal. So fulfill our duty. Okay, Fulfill our goal to glorify God in our lives. Number two is understand the various aspects of, of being fruitful, basically, of, of fruit and producing fruit. And we've got those three things. So let me let you get number two written out first, and then we'll remind ourselves of the three things. Of which you already know. What are the various aspects of producing fruit? What's A? Do what? Making disciples. What's B? The fruit of the Spirit, being Christ-like. And what's C? Doing good deeds. So if you're doing all that, I mean, if you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be producing fruit, doing good deeds, and making disciples. All that's going to come out. And then number three is understand the various levels of fruit production. What we want to be is much fruit. <laughs> right? We want to be much fruit. Now, and I mean, we want to produce fruit, but we'd love to be more fruit and even much fruit. And, and by the way, if you've ever studied John 15, he tells you how that happens. And it's not always exactly what you want. Listen to this. If you're not producing fruit, here's what it says. Oh, I've got to get to the right book. In John 15, he says, Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he, it actually says, lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. I, I, I don't know anything about plants, but I know people have tomatoes, and you have to go out, and you have to do what? You have to pull off suckers and all that stuff. So it'll do what? Produce more, because if you don't, it won't produce as much. Basically, same way with the grapes and ideas, that sometimes it gets pruned, which somebody would say, well, that hurts. Sometimes God allows things to come in our lives that cause us to trust him even more, so we'll produce what? More fruit, and he says he it produces, and so, and then he goes and says, "I'm the vine, the branches. He who abides in me, and the, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abiding in him, and that's how God is glorified, and we produce much fruit. That's the bottom line. So we want to get as close to him as we can, and the longer we get close to him and serve him and live for him, then we may get we may get to be doing the much fruit. 